the Almeida Theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Almeida podcast. I'm Rupert Gould, I'm the Artistic Director of the Almeida and I'm thrilled to be sitting with Rebecca Frecknell, our Associate Director. Um, I've known Rebecca for about uh, seven years, seven or eight, yeah. seven years, uh, when um, uh, she assisted uh, me on a production in Hyde Park of a slightly ill-fated show. Uh, and uh, I think we probably, it was a massive show, very busy, and uh, there were two directors on it, and probably, although we got to know each other, we probably didn't get to know each other no. super well at the time. Uh, but around that time, I, was it just after that, I went to see... Uh, a production of the little known Ten- Tennessee Williams play Summer in Smoke at Southwark Playhouse that you directed um, with drama school students, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I really loved. Um, I thought it was incredibly lyrical and playful and the play was wonderful. And it was, it was it really stayed with me. I was really moved by it. And I guess we sort of stayed intermittently in contact in the following years. I think you went off to the National Studio, did you, after that? Yeah, and then I did RTYDS. And then you did RTYDS, which did. yeah, which I did as well, <laughs> but at Northern Stage. And then Rebecca came to join us on our resident director programme and had the misfortune to assist me again uh, on James Graham's play Inc. Um, and did a bit of movement work on Albion by Mike Bartlett that I did a few months later. And then um, got to direct here at the Almeida, uh, remaking Summer and Smoke in a production that is now already the stuff of legends. Uh, It won lots of awards for her and her cast and the show. And uh, genuinely, uh, probably the proudest night I've had here at the Almeida was that press night and the response to it. And, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that her meteoric rise to international directing stardom, uh, (laughs) which seemed to happen (laughs) out of the blue, uh, was uh, was really something that never happened before and, and is extraordinary. And I'm sure you're still reeling from it at some level. Uh, yeah, on all levels. <laughs> so we're going to talk about directing and about you. Um, so like, why, why are you a director? Um, I'd sort of love to know that. I feel like I have the misfortune of being in my, in my blood, I guess. Um, I always... I always wanted to work in theatre ever since I was sort of seven or eight years old. Um, I thought I wanted to be an actor, which I think most people probably mm-hmm. do at that stage. And then I thought I wanted to be a dancer. Um, and did you did you train as a dancer a bit? Yeah, not professionally, um, but I sort of was doing before. But I didn't go to university until I was twenty-one, and so I sort of had over two years between finishing school and and starting uni. And at that point, I was sort of doing eight classes a week, and I nearly went to study contemporary dance um, full time. And then sort of realised that would be a terrible and decision. And where were you living then? Are you in? I was living in a village called Warboys in the Fenlands. Lovely. Which is where I'm from. Like Wuppertal for yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anglia. Yeah, I wish. Um, yeah, and I was sort of travelling to this dance studio in, in, in a village called Buckton um, every night, pretty much. Um, and actually during, so I was doing um, dance classes every evening and three on Saturdays. Um, and then two actors, uh, RADA graduates, who I'm still in contact with them and probably changed my life in lots of ways came to teach at the school and they did, they were going to do a Shakespeare course and pretty much no one signed up for it apart from me and my mum said I could go if I could get myself there and I was I, I was paying for it but by like pressing play on the music at the dance studio on Saturdays mm-hmm. and sort of like working in the um in the office um 
So I had to get, it was, a, it was one of those things where it was like, a, it was a 25 minute drive from my house, but I didn't drive and um, no one was around to take me. So I had to get two buses and it would take me two hours to get there and I'd get there an hour early, but I really wanted to do this class. So for two years on Tuesday nights, I did Shakespeare with these two actresses and it was incredible. And they really, they were sort of the ones that encouraged me to go to university and sort of maybe sort of... Was that something you were not thinking about? At the I time? didn't want to go to university. I was quite adamant I didn't want to. I don't even really know why. I sort mm. of just decided. I think because I wanted to work in theatre and I didn't feel like I was hugely academic. Um, and I was, I was sort of not that inspired at school and mm. a relatively lazy student. And sort of the idea of going to study again just wasn't something and, I wanted to. So what to. did you read at university? Drama and theatre arts at Goldsmiths. Um, and I pretty much went there because one of these tutors told me to, and I was so completely sort of in love with them, I pretty much did whatever they said. Mm. So I went, and luckily I did, because that was sort of where I discovered directing. Mm. Um, and it was sort of just, the first time I ever directed anything, it was sort of everything I thought I loved about theatre and thought I loved about performing. I realised I didn't actually care at all about any of that. I loved rehearsing. I loved rehearsal rooms. And so the first time I ever directed anything, that was it really. I then... I sort of skewed everything I did at university towards directing training. But so, what actually about the directing is it that you love? Um, I love I love actors. I sort of think they're extraordinary, mm. and I love watching actors find things and be brave. And so but you could have been a stage manager and done that. No, you couldn't because it's there's something about. Um, I mean, yes, you could, but it would it was a different. It's sort of the, the privilege of that sort of conversation of people doing something in front of you and then you telling them what you saw and sort of nudging and mm -hmm. pushing people and sort of seeing how far people can take a thought or an idea. So it's, it's, partly, it's partly that and the sort of emotional connection with that. Um, but it's also that the whole experience of theatre to me is really special and really sort of sacred and, and there's something about being able to be the one that sort of shapes that whole experience for an audience that I love and and being able to work with everyone in all these different jobs to sort of bring it together and and the trust of being able to get the trust of a group of people to sort of follow mm. you down one road is kind of extraordinary but what do you think in you is it, it, it what makes you want to win trust like that well, that's a deeply psychological question of course it, it is <laughs> <laughs> um I guess why I'm asking it is because I think one of the things that really struck me about you both when we first met and then subsequent was that a lot of, a lot of emerging directors I meet are um, confident, are, are sort of pushily articulate, um, sometimes even dominating. Uh, and you manifested uh, very sort of kind of naturally more low status, more egalitarian, gentler. Um, and I remember that was one of the things I'm thinking, that's unusual, I don't often see that, and I wondered what was going on. Um, but, you know, now you're successful and increasingly confident, and you probably always were. I'm just interested in, like, that relationship of sort of leadership mm. and um, being the sort of controller of the room. Where is that in you? Because it's not immediately obvious, and yet I know it's there. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much there. Um, I guess, for me, I don't... I'm sure it's lots of things, really. Um, I'm sure it's part. It's sort of partly, probably within 
how you grow up, isn't it, and family and your role within that unit. And when you're when you're rehearsing, that is a family unit. Um, Can you say anything more about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think like um, you know, I went through lots of things growing up, um, and so and my relationship with my siblings in particular was then was was incredibly specific and incredibly important and fractured and difficult and all those kind of things and I'm the middle of the siblings and I think within which is unusual because in my experience most directors are either only children or eldest it's not only the actors who are in the middle, in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> the well maybe there's maybe that's why I wanted to be an actor for a while um but I think I don't know, kind of, I guess growing up there were times where I think people thought I was the elder sibling, but mm -hmm. I'm not. And I think um, I often was probably, of the three of us, the more outspoken or the more confident or the one that would sort of uh, shape things or bring up discussions or was, or, or was sort of more... I had a very clear thing I wanted to do, like I wanted to, I wanted to make theatre and I, I knew that from a really young age and so I, I sort of had developed that kind of drive and I, and, you know, and I, I lived in the middle of nowhere in the Fenlands, there was, there was not, we didn't have a local theatre, there wasn't kind of a lot of opportunity in that um, and yet, but my, my mum especially, but my parents made sure that I could do classes and I could go to these things and, and I think so, I think I kind of, developed real kind of hunger for it mm. I, it was all I wanted to do and I think it was that it's that sort of hunger that creates real clarity in the work that I want to make and why I choose the work and so I think that sort of the, the leadership or the sort of steering of those rooms and those teams for me always comes down to a, a real kind of sense of why I'm making what I'm making and mm. why why it's important to me and why I've chosen those people in the room. And so actually the sort of, the leading of that feels like it comes quite naturally because it's not really about me in right. a way. And obviously you did Three Sisters here for us. Mm. Uh, and I know you, you picked that partly because of its sibling relationships. Yeah. Do you feel to your cast that you you are like a sibling? Is that the sort of when you talk about it as a family? Is that the sort of role you feel? Or, no, I'm or? probably mum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> More, I mean, yes, yes, at times, but I think you're always um, you're always slightly, I guess, because you're leading, and but also because you're sort of you're trying to care for people and look, mm -hmm. at, you know, and, and and allow people to go to places that are vulnerable and and. Um, exposing mm. and especially with three sisters cause I, and you know a lot of my I deliberately chose to cast it to age so the girls are, were were all younger than are often cast um and were actresses that I've, I'd worked with before or I knew and I had a relationship with and I think so it was kind of interesting because actually you I, I could kind of flip between that relationship of sort of being like I'm not that much older than you and I've sort of lived through the same experiences and know this play but also at a, at a point you're gonna yeah. have to do something that's quite um quite scary and so i'm gonna at that point you sort of become someone that's gonna yeah guide them through that or help them or kind of encourage yeah. i guess so this is we talk about influences then so you talk about these two actresses who made a big mm. um impact on you um what, what would you say to someone who wanted to be a director but maybe hadn't found that mentor figure yet do you think that's? Do you think they just come to you, or, or should should and can one go and look for that sort of person? Yeah. Or, if you hadn't met them, do you think you just wouldn't be directing? Or yeah, I think I probably wouldn't actually. But I think I didn't know even when I met them. I didn't. I still thought I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know I wanted to be a director until mm. much later. But I think they saw something in me 
I think they knew I wasn't going to be an actor and mm. that I was going to be something else. And so they were sort of able to steer me in a particular direction. And because I respected them and, want, and you know, wanted their mm-hmm. affirmation, I did that. Yeah. Um, but I think actually when I was at uni, I, I didn't really still quite know what the role of a director was. And mm-hmm. the, the course and the, the training I did was much more device based and kind of it's a it's a course where you look a lot more at kind of postmodern theatre making and, and mm. live art and kind of physical performance and so I never actually directed a play until much later. Um and so actually my early influences were sort of makers who were who were dead, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like uh, uh, you know, I think I think sort of the t- the point that I came across Pina Bausch was mm. really important to me. Um and, and did you do that in the theatre or on videos or videos? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had to. We did a postmodern dance module, <laughs> at, um, Goldsmiths, and um, and um, one of the every every week, um, a different couple of students had to lead a seminar. And actually, I didn't do the Bausch when I did the. Um, uh, I can't even remember what I did. Something else, and. Um, but a, a couple of girls led the session on Pina Bausch, and everyone at the—I remember lots of people being really obsessed with Pina Bausch in my course, and me kind of going, "I don't really know what this is," and sort of. And then I watched her, Rite of Spring, and it's she's just she, she's a real genius, and I think it was interesting because she died in my final year mm-hmm. at Goldsmiths, and so, which was just interesting time because everyone was quite. Everyone, there were lots of people in my course that were very inspired by her and hadn't mm. come across her before the course. And um, can, can you say because I mean she's obviously she's uh, invoked by a lot of directors. Yeah. W- w- when you look at say someone Smoke or Three Sisters, um, can you point to moments and go that's clearly influenced by Bausch? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I should say. Yeah, that. Tell us what they are. <laughs> um, yes. Um, there's quite a lot of the aesthetic of Summer and Smoke that was you know, this sort of sense of open space and working in bare feet and bodies in space and repetitive patterns and repeated objects in space, Um, which again, I took into Three Sisters and the sort of repeated, like Three Sisters probably more directly came, um, I remember talking to Hildegard who designed the show about um, Cafe Muller, Mm -hmm. which is one of the, her productions, which is sort of this empty space full of tables and chairs. And I, I'm really interested in, I think from Pina Bausch, like having an object that's repeated and that the objects are as important as the actors in a way. And of how those, how their presence or their absence in the space sort of builds up across the evening. So, and that, and you know, and there were moments in, in Summer Smoke as well with sort of multiple empty chairs and how they feel different once they've been filled and then emptied. and. And when you say you're interested, do you mean like tonally, you just like the rhythm of it, or there's a, an intellectual conceit there, or uh, looks cool? <laughs> <laughs> not look, not looks cool. Um, uh, yeah, to- tonally and emotionally, I think. Like tonally, I sort of, re- uh, I, I sort of quite like the commitment to the sort of um, the purity of going. No, this is this is the object for this show, and but the object's always chosen specifically because of what the show is about. And mm. I mean, Three Sisters, we. Look, for me, there was empty chairs were really important in Three Sisters because it's a play where there has been community and now there's not, and there has been family and now there's not, and there's a lot of loss in that play. And for me, emotionally, when you sort of 
fill chairs and then empty them. And mm -hmm. they, they sort of carry a trace of... Community. Community yeah. and create, you know, they're an object that are, they're designed to be filled and when they're not, they say something different. Yeah. And so that's sort of what I'm interested in, I guess. An absence of bums. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> in all my work. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, tell us about the pianos then, which of course people really remember from Thomas Mike. Where, where did that come from? Is that a similar thing about uh, repetition or...? Um, um, it didn't no it didn't originally come from that i think i think probably having lots of them came out of that idea of repetition and what that means but the idea for the piano came from lots of conversations with tom scutt um who whose idea it was um i guess um that kind of came from i guess with summer and smoke i was really there was there were two things in the design that i was interested in one was how how do you do a Tennessee Williams play now and it, and make it feel contemporary and resonant without losing its atmosphere and its lyricism? Because I, I've seen a few where they've been more kind of uh, drastically updated and sort of minimalist and, f and feel sort of more contemporary visually. But then I've always felt they lose that. They lose the poetry. And I think he, at his heart, Williams is a poet. Um, and so I was really interested in, in going, how, do you, how can you strip away time and place and costume and things that feel like they make it about, not about us, but keep all of the atmosphere. So that was one provocation. And then the other was, there's meant to be a big stone angel water fountain, <laughs> um, which I was keen to find another way of representing on mm -hmm. stage. And the ideas, the piano sort of came probably more from interrogating what the angel was going to be, mm -hmm. because we talked a lot about why why is there an angel and why has he chosen that and, and symbolically what's he doing and how can we do that in a way that's less on the nose than having a big massive angel sort of sitting mm -hmm. over the play, but that carries all of that um, symbolism and emotion. And we sort of struck on the idea of music as being probably the nearest thing that humans have that can connect to a greater sense of sort of immortality or spirituality or something, something mm -hmm. that sort of really exists but also you can't touch and you can't kind of keep hold of. And Alma in the, in the um, play is a, is a music teacher. Mm -hmm. um, so that sort of felt quite yeah, cool. fitting. Yeah. And I quite, I wanted it to be a psychological space as well as a literal space and so we got quite interested in, she has a speech in the play where she talks about how John was allowed to go out and play with his friends when they were children and she would always watch him because she was always forced to stay inside and practice her music. And mm -hmm. it, so I guess the, the repetition of the pianos and the sort of circling of her, of the pianos was also a sense of being trapped in a never ending music lesson that she wasn't allowed out of mm -hmm. in a way. Um, Can I ask you some other questions about Summer's Mike? Because mm -hmm. I remember when we were talking about you doing a show and I think there were other, I think you talked about Spring Awakening maybe and mm -hmm. Wojtzeck, maybe I can't remember. Um, <laughs> not Wojtzeck. Not Wojtzeck. <laughs> um, and you know, one of the reasons I was keen on Summer and Smoke was because I felt that your relationship to faith and doubt was sort of really interesting in that because I think a lot of people might look at Summer and Smoke and go bare feet repetitive objects, atmospheric lighting. I can do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are tropes that, that, yeah, that are part of, um, I guess, 
Bauchesque or, or European influence theatre making. Um, I, what I felt, as with the, the sibling relationship with three sisters, that you, you've been really brave and, and uh, unusually able for, I guess, an early career director to really go to things that really speak to you, questions that speak to you in, in your work. And can you talk at all about like faith and how and your relationship to that and how that related to someone's work? Yeah. Um I knew you were going to ask me about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, faith is not people, it, you know, it's an increasingly sort of uh, recherche subject for people to talk about these days in a way. And yeah, it's really interesting, actually. And I think, um, obviously, Summer and Smoke, I, I had... Summer and Smoke had sort of been in my life as long as I'd been wanting to be a director, in a way, um, which was... So it's a really specific play. Um, Say why. Well, I think, oddly, oddly, I kind of came across it completely by fluke. I saw it last time it was in the West End um, and loved the play and then, but didn't really think any more of it. And then I was, I had to do a play for my showcase at Lambda because I did the director's course there. And I was meant to do a completely other play and about a week before we started, the rights fell through and I had to just come, and I'd seen this play and went, oh, I'll probably do that and got it sort of out of the library at Lambda. And so it was never, it was always a really, it's always been one of those plays that sort of, it just keeps, it kept always coming back and, and sort of wouldn't quite leave me alone. And I, I think, um, you know, sort of faith and kind of religion, I guess, and spirituality has sort of always been an interesting kind of part of my life and my family's life. And there's the play sort of, part of the play is looking at that what that is and what that means and what people mean by kind of belief and people's fear of mortality and I and I'm always really interested in that because I think I think it's kind of I just find it a really interesting question and kind of and provocation and and I think because I've sort of lived with it as well, like I maybe just have a slightly different understanding of how it can affect people. And I, I, re I remember... And, and in terms of working with Patsy, who was so amazing as Alma did, yeah. I mean, did you talk much about that together? Yeah, we did. I, that was what I was going to say. Like I remember there was a time when I was rehearsing a scene with, with um, Patsy and, and Matt. Um, and it was the... It, it was the... I think it was the scene in the casino, mm -hmm. which is the final scene of Act One. And, and I just remember sitting down with them and they were going, it's just so difficult because they sort of suddenly get to this hugely heightened emotional place and they sort of, the argument goes from one that feels objective and intellectual to suddenly one that feels incredibly emotionally loaded. And they, I remember them saying, people just don't do that. They just, they don't kind of have this sort of trigger in them. They, they really do when they're talking about faith. They really, really do because it's, you know, your belief system is so triggering and so much part of, of who you are. And and actually, when you're fighting, we had to talk a lot about the sort of embodiment of those ideas and actually how much people will fight for them. And I found those conversations really interesting. And as soon as they sort of began to get into that sense of mm -hmm. what that means, those scenes really kind of flew. And I suppose the idea of love, spiritual love, and almost fatalistic, romantic love mm. in that play are central. Do that's a play that you've visited twice, and like you say, it's been in your life a lot. Do you feel, both for you specifically, but also in general for directors, that you you cannot but make the work in the life moment you're in, or do you think the ideas and arguments of the piece sit outside the momentary specificity of what's going on in one's own life? 
I sort of think both. Um, and it was interesting coming back to, because I first directed Summer and Smoke in 2010, and then we did it here in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I, I think I think the themes of that play will will always will always I'll always be connected to those themes. Mm -hmm. But coming back to the play, however many years later, and reading it again, I saw it very differently, and I saw the arguments of it very differently because I was specifically in a very very different place in my life. So mm -hmm. I I think the production I did here. F and did that seep into the play production, or did you know yeah, that? Yeah, I knew that when I read it again. Right. Um, and yes, it's it's yeah, seeped older in. and more bitter. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I just I just felt it was about. I, I think probably the second time I came to it, it felt more nuanced to me, mm. like what actually the arguments were. And it was the first play I ever directed yeah. as well. When I did it, I'd never done a whole a full length mm. play, and so it was probably broader in its. I guess the sort of science versus spirituality thing was sort of what I was interested yeah. in the first time round. Whereas the second time round, I actually saw it much more about. Um, uh, vulnerability yeah. um, and a kind of case as for vulnerability as strength and what that means and, and living with anxiety and depression in a judgmental society mm. and what that does you know what that does to e particularly in that play to a young woman and and all the other stuff's always still there and I'm I'm always going to be interested in it but yeah. can I ask you then a bit about um, you know pressure and the pressure of making work and uh, the pressure you put on yourself about what it is, the pressure of making work somewhere like the Almeida, um, you know, pressure of following up, mm. pressure <laughs> of um, uh, you know, how you deal with those sorts of traumas, whether you think you're unique in that and, and whether you could offer anyone advice or help or just understanding, <laughs> understanding. about um, Yeah, it's sort of awful. Um, it, yeah, it was really weird actually with, when we did Summer and Smoke here the first time. I expected to find it incredibly stressful because it was my first show in London and it was of a scale I'd not worked on before and it kind of felt like this is my shot, this is sort of, this is it. Um, and actually I didn't, I just had a lovely time. <laughs> um, I think partly because I just, I felt at home with the play because I, I knew it really well, but but also just had such a wonderful, wonderful cast and creative team who I'd known for for a lot of them I'd known before and sort of had met through various, uh, either through assisting or, you know, different kind of introductions. And so it just felt quite joyous, actually. And obviously, you know, like, it was stressful, like any show is, but I, it wasn't, I don't remember having a sense of kind of crippling fear. I did, when I went to the West End, I did, that was, that was terrifying. And then, actually then doing three sisters afterwards was really really hard um because i guess when we when we did summer and smoke it just didn't have any real other than sort of personal stakes for me it sort of didn't really feel like it had stakes attached to it it sort of just felt like we were we were sort of this kind of band of friends making this play and it was lovely and and it was unexpected how well it was received i didn't really I sort of thought people wouldn't like it, to be honest, because it was slightly odd. Um, and so that was all a shock, and then it sort of became this this sort of entity for a while, um, which was really unexpected. And so then when we when I came to do Three Sisters, it suddenly felt like people were waiting for this show, and there was a sense of expectation on it and a sense of having to deliver again. And I always feel a bit like 
I always feel a bit like I'm not allowed a failure or I'm not allowed. Why? I don't know. I just always feel like... Um, you mean as Rebecca Fretnell or as a young director? Or probably, a... probably both. But I, but I think as a as a young director, there is this real sense of you have to, you know keeping delivering and because it's so competitive and it's so um, you don't know what you're doing from month to month and and I think because the success of Summer and Smoke was unexpected, I, I didn't feel, I still felt like I have to really really prove myself. And also, Three Sisters was a play I had wanted to do for a long time, and and, and of which I was hugely proud of the production here but I remember being very very stressed the, the sort of fear of this time it feels like there's judgment coming um and it and that I found it very difficult to to get rid of that and, and, just and how, shut the door. How, how did you manage that anxiety what was helpful um I'm not sure I did manage it <laughs> um as well as I could but what was helpful was was my cast mm -hmm. um were just so wonderful and so generous and so trusting of me that and did you share that anxiety with them i didn't until right at the last sort of in the last week yeah. um i did and and it was always something i felt like the worst thing that could ever happen is that the actors will find out that i'm anxious yeah. and they won't trust me and that will be that was always my fear that that people would know. And actually, of course, the day they find out, it was the best day. <laughs> everyone was just so lovely and supportive and brilliant. And everyone's anxious and everyone's mm -hmm. freaking out. And and so so actually it was a it was a weirdly sort of galvanizing day. Yeah. Um, I sometimes think though that directors do slightly fall into magical directors fall into two camps. That those who will hold the creative team and the cast in in and give them that enabling confidence and those who inspire those people to hold them. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course it's a reciprocal relationship, but do you, do you recognize yourself as, uh, do you think you flip flop back and forth? Yeah, I think I flip flop. Yeah. I think I'd love to be the one that, that doesn't, that's able to just hold them and, yeah. and, and just be there for them. But I think, I mean, we'll see as, we'll see the more yeah. work I, I make, but um, definitely on Three Sisters, I felt like there was a moment where they had to hold me and that was wonderful. And actually that felt like part of why that production was special. Yes, I can see that. So uh, without details, like what, what, are you, what do you want to do next? What are your longer term plans? Do you want to, you know, big musicals, <laughs> um, endless I'd productions of Summer and Smoke? <laughs> no, I think I might leave Summer and Smoke now oh. for a while. Um, I, I, Dance, I mean, is that something you want to Yeah, I would in? actually at some, at some point. Um, as a choreographer or as a sort of co-maker? No, or? probably as a co-maker. I don't, yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I work, I do my own movement direction, my own choreography, but I, I, you know, if I was to do something where choreography was, was um, needing to be. Front and centre. Yeah, front mm. and centre, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Um, but. I, I mean, how do you, well, I suppose what I'm getting at, how are you thinking about picking the next things you would like to develop? I think I'm always trying to pick things that I have that emotional connection to and trying very hard to stick to that and to not get the fear and take things that I don't feel uh, are really for me specifically as an artist because I do want, I think when I when I was sort of starting out and even now, like I always look to those makers who I feel like have a really, have a real kind of body of work that speaks within itself and that that's something I would like to look back on. So I'm trying to be picky. Um, which is sort of 
but it's sort of all I can do as well in a way because I think I'm always just drawn to things that are that are sort yeah. of terrifyingly personal. Yeah, Rook Rainer. <laughs> um, so, um, so just want me finish by. I mean, can you say anything um, about this theatre and, and what it, what, why you like making work in this space? What what this space means to you? Yeah, I, I think this space is really special. I think because of its. Um, relationship to the like its spatial audience relationship is is one of the things I love about it because it feels like actually when you got the space it's huge and um it's sort of like 11 meters across I think and you can do really big you can think kind of big as a theater making you can be ambitious in the theatricality that you use but the house is sort of 330 people so you you also always feel like you're in the same room as the audience um and so I love that, the sort of fact that you can make ambitious work in a sort of studio feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like watching work here for that same reason, because you really feel like you can really see what the actors are doing and what they're going through and feel that. So, and I, I don't feel that in, in every theatre space. So it's, it's, it's mostly that, but I also think there's something, because I assisted here and, mm-hmm. you know, there's always something sort of special about being able to graduate onto the, <laughs> onto the stage um, as, as a director in your own right. And actually the first preview of Summer and Smoke I watched here, I remember had this really weird feeling I was watching someone else's play that I'd assisted on. <laughs> I didn't feel like I was watching my show and I found the whole first preview really, really surreal because I thought I was noting someone else's show. But that's that's sort of part of it as well. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up there, but thank you, Frex, for that. It wasn't too bad, was it? It was all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you want to hear more from Rebecca or any other of um, the stuff we do at the Almeida, then go to Almeida Explore um, on the internet. (laughs) And um, we'll keep doing these. Thank you, Rebecca, and keep looking out for her work both here at the Almeida and no doubt around the world. Thank you for listening to the Almeida Theatre Podcast. For more, head to almeida.co.uk forward slash explore.